edition of Let Me Tell You Something, where myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, continue on our journey throughout the year of 2019 to try and watch every single match that we can find that Dave Meltz has given five stars or higher. We're into the Annus Mirabilis that is 2018, I apologize, and we are talking about another match from New Japan Pro Wrestling, a match that we've seen several times before, but... Now the um, character dynamics have changed somewhat drastically after the previous five-star match we've covered. Simon, what are we covering today? We are covering an IWGP title match between Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, this, this um, to quote a 90s TV show, is a bit of a record-breaker um, as it's... Okada seeking to beat Tanahashi's record of 12 defences. Mm. And he's the, it's the man himself, obviously, seeking to make sure, A, he gets the title, and B, his, he stands, his record stands, basically, yeah. as well. Well, dedication's what you need, Si. And ah, yes. This is, obviously, um, Okada looking to break a record. So to give an idea of some of the longer um, title reigns, Let's have a look here. I've got some stats coming up. The first IWGP heavyweight champion to reach eight successful title defences and nine successful title defences is Shinya Hashimoto, who was the perennial IWGP heavyweight champion of the 90s. He reached eight defences twice. It was his second title reign that led to a ninth defence, although that one he failed. So he had eight successful title defences, his eighth one coming uh, in his second reign against Stephen Regal, a.k.a. William Regal. And then a couple of weeks later, he lost to Kijimuto to lose his IWGP heavyweight title. Uh, he then made seven successful defences with his third reign after winning the IWGP title back from UWFI's Nobuhika Takada. And he defeated um, Kensuke Sasuke... Uh, he lost to Kensuke Sasuke on his eighth title defense, but that record of nine title defenses of eight sorry successful title defenses stood all the way until Yuji Nagata, during his first and one of only two title reigns, was able to hold on to it for ten successful defenses. Oof. His ninth one coming after a sixty-minute draw against his perennial partner slash rival Manabu Nakanishi. Um, then his 10th defence was against Tadeo Yasuda, the man who he beaten for that title. But then his 11th defence, he finally fell to Yoshihiro Takayama, the hot star of that period of early MMA, as famous for getting his face smashed in by Don Frazier for actually winning any kind of match. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, God, Don Fry smashing your face in as well. That's so, like one of the worst yeah, people that, to do it. So that 10th title defence... Record held all the way up to 2011, where it was broken by Hiroshi Tanahashi. He matched Yuji Nagata's 10th title defense by defeating Yuji Nagata 
uh, in December of 2011. Then that followed up with a Wrestle Kingdom match where he made his 11th title defense. The first person to break, so he breaks Nagata's record and successfully defends it the 11th time. And it seems like he's conquered the entire world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He would almost think he was going to weep salt, uh, salt tears uh, for the fact that there were no con- worlds left to conquer. Except a cocky young man by the name of Kazuchika Okada turned up. Mm. And made a very brazen challenge for Tanahashi to face him. So Tanahashi goes into his record-breaking 12th defense, assuming he's going to walk over this youngster and then try and find someone else to beat. But no! Okada defeats him in one of the shocks of the decade, then kick-starting this rivalry for which we're watching the latest chapter of today. For now, Okada, having finally vanquished um, Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom at the Tokyo Dome, and also having previously beaten Tanahashi, where the rule was that Tanahashi would not challenge for the title again. But then Ta- Okada makes his 11th successful defense on his fourth title reign against Zack Sabre Jr. And he decides he needs to make a very specific challenge if he's going to break the record that he's just matched of 11 successful title defenses. And so it's Okada and Gado that make the challenge to the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Who obviously gladly accepts. Very much. Very obviously. So, that's the main story going in. Of course, what we'd said in the previous match, uh, the Wrestle Kingdom match, which was now at this point uh, two years ago at this stage. That was the last time they'd had a singles match against each other, I believe, unless they had a G1 Climax match in between. Let me just get that up as well. Those stats... Uh, Okada Tanahashi. Yes, I feel like they had to have oh. one time limit draw uh, that year in 2016 in the G1 climax. Well, I feel that's, to be honest, possibly the only way, the only thing they really could have done. Because, you know, you want to keep both, you want to keep the spark going in that rivalry and another defeat. Uh, well, Tanahashi winning doesn't help matters, and neither does Okada winning. So it's one of those awkward things where you thankfully have the time limit to get you out of it. Yeah. But this is the longest gap we've had between Okada and Tanahashi matches since Okada made his return and made that challenge. So in 2012, they had two matches against each other, Okada beating Tanahashi for the title and Tanahashi winning it back. Then in 2013, they have four matches against each other. Tanahashi defeating Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, Okada defeating Tanahashi for the title in April, one of the matches that we covered. I think that was the first five-star match between them that we covered. Then they had a time limit draw at the G1 Climax, and then Okada won it in the October match that we previously also covered in this. Then they had the Wrestle Kingdom match where Tanahashi was able to defeat Okada again at the Tokyo Dome, going 2-0 in their Tokyo Dome encounters. Then a year later to that day... Okada finally gets the Wrestle Kingdom victory and truly cements himself as the ace of the promotion. Then they have their G1 Climax match in August of 2016, but now we've gone from August 2016 all the way to May of 2018 before we have this match come up. The first of a trilogy of 2018 matches between the two, uh, all of which we will be covering in this series, I believe. I might be wrong on the second one. But... Simon, 
What is interesting about this match is that that dynamic is very clear at this point. This is no longer one against one A jostling for the ace position. There is a clear ace and there is a clear underdog, really. Yeah. And it's ironically the ace who is the underdog mm. as well. It's it's interesting, though, because we do see a different Okada in this match, I think. He, he, he's a bit more cagey, he's a bit more... Def- he's conscious of what he's about to accomplish. Mm. Uh, and Tanahashi's obviously... His pride is getting to uh, getting into his brain, and he's a bit more... What's the word? Guarded, but aggressively guarded, if well, you think, get what I mean. I think Tanahashi is visibly the walking wounded in this match. There's a moment at one point where I saw him running across the ring, and he was... And he was not limping, but there seemed to be a struggle to just move. Yeah. That I don't think was necessarily the psychology of the match. If it was, it's fantastic, subtle psychology, and you wouldn't put it past Tanahashi. But to me, it honestly seemed like this is a man, I think at this point he's 42 years old. He's 42 at this point? I think so. He's definitely in his 40s. Right. He's... His skincare routine is insane. (laughs) But he is very, very... I mean, his body is probably not that of a 42-year-old. You know, like... Yeah. Externally, it's very much not. But internally, it's very much not in a different end of the spectrum. Oh, yeah. And I think that that is the the sense of this is a man who's past his prime. He's wearing the uh, long... Uh, the very long, uh, it's more an arm pad than it is a elbow pad, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's the whole thing about Tanahashi at yeah. this point. He's accumulated so many injuries and is in so much pain over this time as was, you know, reflected in the previous year's G1 Climax block final against Tetsuya Naito. And Zack Sabre Jr. in their matches has been all about exploiting those weaknesses and extracting submission victories out of Tanahashi. Yeah. And just... That is the key thing, that this is a man that's basically sacrificed his body for the company, and he still has that warrior spirit inside of him, and he's also got the in-ring intellectual ability to continue to gain victories, but those victories are maybe fewer and further between as time's going on. It's like his body's a credit card and he's maxed it out. He's not, no, I wouldn't entirely agree with that. I don't think that's the entire that's the the correct metaphor for this situation, but he's definitely having to pay compound interest. I'll say that much. Right. Um. Also, so let's say let's get it out of the way here right now. Tanahashi's uh, sorry, Okada's trousers. <laughs> I don't like change, Simon. I don't like change. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't enjoy seeing him in long trousers either. It's just not right. It's just not him. It's as weird as if I ever saw Ric Flair in long trousers wrestle. Mm. It's it's funny as well because he's got the um, Shawn Michaels baggy trouser design. They're not like you know they're not tight his calves no. or anything. Yeah, like like nineties Shawn Michaels. This is like mid two thousand onward Shawn Michaels, who obviously uh, maybe skips leg day a bit. It's Kevin Nash trousers. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen Kevin Nash's actual legs, but my there, there is me. a picture that has recently done the rounds on social media, and good lord, yeah. I think mine are bigger. Yeah, and so, and it's not like Okada. I think, see, that's why I was like, you know, what is the one move that maybe people love of Okada's even more than the Rainmaker? 
It's it's the drop drop kit. kit. And I don't think those trousers make the drop. I think they make the the, the, the drop kick look less impressive because you can't as much see the accuracy and the and the precision in the movement or the or the vertical leap. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, they Sometimes do. Sometimes it obscures yeah, the boots yeah. and you don't see the pinpoint accuracy of where he lands. Yeah. Yeah, when I picture the drop kick, I do picture it in his tights. You know, I don't picture a troll in his tights. <laughs> I, I picture the drop kick in his tights. Um, but uh, yeah, it, uh, even though I've obviously recently watched this match and uh, the ones in him in trunks are further away in my memory, mm. I can't even. I know he throws drop kicks in this match, but I can't. I just can't picture it. You know what I mean? In the sense of when I go into my mind, mm. he's in trunks doing it. Yeah. But yeah, Okada is basically controlling. Like there are great allusions to previous matches. We were saying in one of in the thing in the October twenty thirteen match how long Tanahashi works that headlock in the first like five or so oh, minutes of the match. Beautiful. He tries to do it in this match, but he doesn't hold it for as long. Yeah. So Okada's able to escape it eventually, and he does do what he did before, selling it. But it's not. It's not as much, you know. It's not been as effective as it once was. You know? Yeah. No, he's not as damaged, and he's he almost catches uh, Tanahashi with the Rainmaker early doors coming yeah. out of like the headlock. So he sort of knows he can utilize Tanahashi's game plan to his advantage because he'll be like, "Oh yeah, I've applied the headlock. I'm feeling comfortable." Next thing you know, I'm I'm eating a Rainmaker. I love how Okada will have as much control or as little control as is appropriate for the match. He does that wonderful thing that a champion's supposed to do in that it's all about how well he has to make his opponent look, even in, in defeats. Yeah. And for this match, it what he's trying to play up is Tanahashi's resilience and, um, you know, old man energy, essentially, at this point. <laughs> so at this point, he's got to be a bully and arrogant and cocky, which is what he was in the old days. And I do wonder if there's any significance to the fact that Okada's got his eyebrows dyed in this match, which is reminiscent of his look when he first turned up back in 2012. Because, and you might say that's reading too much into it, and maybe it is. But Okada's amazing at all those different references from things years and years in the past. Like, um, he has a match with Yoshihashi in one G1 Climax, and I think it's the first match they've had, singles match, since their relatively rubbish uh, return match at the Tokyo Dome when Okada made the challenge, and he'd not had a very impressive match with Yoshihashi, and people thought, what the hell's this guy doing challenging for the title? And yeah. at that one, when he does the Rainmaker, he does it like a flying clothesline, like he takes a, a, a flat back bump and it doesn't look that good. And when he faces Yoshihashi like four, five, six years later, he tries to beat him with that version of the Rainmaker. <laughs> like it's his shitty version that's reserved only for Yoshihashi. <laughs> I just, I want to prove that this move was decent kind of thing. No, no, no. I think it's more just like, ah, uh, you're not, you're not even worthy of my full effort. Rainmaker. Ah, well, yeah. Which is, maybe, which is maybe it's a just... dick move because Yoshihashi's on his team. Yeah. <laughs> no. Maybe it's also a case of, I don't know, maybe just trying to right the wrong with that specific move. You could interpret it either way. The eyebrows thing, you don't bleach your eyebrows by accident. Yeah. So I I think he has done that with the callback in mind, Mm. to be brutally honest. Yeah. Why else would you? Uh, you You want to take over Thor? 
That was one of the rules that uh, for when um, Chris Hemsworth came back for the second for the Avengers and all the other Thors was okay. Yeah, obviously I'll do them, but can I please not have to dye the beard and the eyebrows next time? <laughs> oh yeah, that's why he went to short hair. Yeah. Well, no, that wasn't so much, but like I can understand why on the eyebrows. Like, you know, long hair you can just wear a wig. That's not yeah. an issue. But uh, speaking realism, of that, damn it. Yeah, I mean, so. I don't want to again. I don't want to go. So this is one. This is one that is on the other end of the spectrum for me. I like to start off as a heads up. This isn't even a five star match according to Dave Meltzer. This is a five and a half star match. Yeah. And I think what I will say is that as a story, as a match of psychology and storytelling, it's five stars. It tells a great story. It's perfect. But actually, I almost felt like on the action front, it didn't necessarily hit the high gears that I usually associate with a five-star match. Do you know what I mean? I do, yes. So I, I'm kind I... of torn. Like, it's a five-star story, but it's kind of like if if you're watching an old 50s or 60s sci-fi film and the special effects aren't as good, you know? Yeah, like when you see The Wires in Highlander. <clears throat> I haven't seen Highlander, so... Um... Oh, but I guess it's more like, I guess, the original Star Wars trilogy or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's or difficult, and I think one of the other like problems we've got is, uh, one of the problems we had early on in our journey is, uh, superstar saturation. We have seen a lot of Okada, uh, recently. Yeah, but I don't mind it, though, because this is such a different type of match. Like, this is so different to the Shibata match in so many different ways. Oh, yeah, that that's a truly unique one in Okada's thing, I would say, because yeah. it's just him having the shit kicked out of him. And in this one, it's him mostly kicking the shit out of Tanahashi and toying with him. Yeah. Um, but to the point that that comes back to bite him in the ass because he underestimates Tanahashi's resilience. And Tanahashi fight, like looks for those openings throughout the match. And the fact that he's underestimating Tanahashi sort of to uh, borrow your phrase from earlier, compounds his arrogance because yeah. he should know that Tanahashi's a challenge. Yeah. He's fought him enough. Well, I mean, at one point he does his Rainmaker pose whilst putting his foot on, on Tanahashi's body to pin him, which is also a callback to after he beat him in this shock title change in their first match. Uh, that After that, whilst Tanahashi was lying on the, on the mat being given ice, he did do that pose, like one foot over him doing the Rainmaker pose. So, again, callbacks to previous encounters. Yeah. And just, you know, accentuating the point, I, I've always been a bit of a knob. Mm. People love me, but I'm a bit of a knob. Well, I think they got no going in at this point. Tanahashi's the sentimental crowd favourite, so there's no real point playing it face-to-face. Because they have done matches where it's been Tanahashi as the aggressor, as yeah. the subtle heel, and, and Okada as the one fighting back. Oh, what was the really... I can't remember. We did talk about it at the time in one of their encounters, but there's a moment of really, like, top-tier shithousery from Tanahashi when in one Tanahashi of their encounters. Tanahashi fakes a knee injury. That's the badger. That was yes. the October 2013 match, the one that yeah. we recorded out of order, that subsequently has led to us saying things like, welcome to the 100th episode, which wasn't the 100th episode. Ah. <laughs> you know, we, we have to be adapt adaptable in this uh, modern age. Um... Yeah, no, that was just uh, that is like peak, almost Fushi esque, mm. like in terms of levels of shithousery, and I don't throw that around lightly. Mm. Um, but no, in this one, you're right. He, I, I think people are playing into like Okada's arrogance is grating on people. Plus, you're right, Tanahashi's got 
that um you don't give tanahashi an opening even yeah. now oh no i was going to say in terms of the crowd though he's got that sort of um guaranteed cheer that you get after you know a certain level of time at the top if you see what i mean he's sort of very few people get it but he's like sort of like sean towards the end whenever sean was being like a uh sean michaels was being a heel like he would still get cheered because it's freaking sean michaels it's that sort of thing you know what i mean Mm. Yeah, so Okada's like controlling like the first half of the match almost entirely. There's a bit where he does the drape, like his corner drop kick. Oh, Tanahashi tries to skin the cat, but it takes him so long to do it. Okada's there waiting and ready and ca- catches him in a tombstone. Um, there's bits where they have forearm exchanges and like Tanahashi will hit a series of them and then Okada knocks him down with one, which is very reminiscent to the Shibata match, but the boots on the other foot. Yeah. God, that man could strike. Mm. He's, um, is well, it's just the case of he hits all of his, like, not like obviously Rainmaker, but a lot of his big moves early doors, like his draping DDT. He's, um, I call it the white noise netbreaker. They have a name for it, but I can never remember what it is. Mm. Um, you know, but he's always, he's hit a lot of that stuff in like the first five, 10 minutes. Mm. So he's like, he is in the zone. He yeah. is getting like, the better of Tanahashi for all the, the most part. That, all the things that Tanahashi's been able to use in the past, he pretty much like takes away. He tries to do the headlock and he holds it for a while, but he doesn't hold it as long as he used to. At one point early on, he goes for the knee. He hits him with an elbow and a chop block, but very quickly um, Tana- uh, Okada escapes that period of control and then just hits the... You know, dra- well, actually, it's the draping DDT he does to him off of the um, skin, the cat, sorry, not the tombstone. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he just has this smart. At one point, he just, like, when ha- uh, Tanahashi gets up after Okada does the Rainmaker pose to face off against him, Okada smiles because he feels like, ah, I've, I've just, it's, I'm just toying with you. It's a matter of time. Yeah. Um, and then, ta- even when Tanahashi does that desperation move that he often goes to when he's needs to get a big move in when he does the high fly flow cross body to the outside. He, when he tries to follow up with a sling blade, he's then tombstone straight yeah. away. Well, even that one that used to be the sign that now it's Tanahashi's turn to dominate the proceedings of the match. He doesn't even get that. No, he's just... He's clinging on. And... Well, he, like when they go back into the ring, then they have the strike exchange and Tanahashi literally falls to Okada's feet. Yeah, but and then, then you see the um, both their egos get insulted. First, obviously, Okada with his like little like scraping back of the head, mocking head, head mm. kicks. Then there's another like big forearm exchange, and Tanahashi gets enough yeah. of it to do the like sort of stomps. Yeah, and Okada seems to be trying to sort of dodge them. I guess it's kind of it's, it's like when the bully gets a taste of his own medicine and he doesn't like it. Yeah, he's just squirming on the floor. Mm. And then, and then. Okada's like, okay, I've got to start trying to put you away, but Tanahashi still has his old tricks. Like, he dodges the drop kick, he dodges the flapjack, he hits his twist and shout and sling blade. Um, but then he goes for the high fly flow and he misses, so that was like his one opening to try and finish it, and he doesn't manage it. And at that point, I noticed as well, you know how much I love how Tanahashi goes over the ropes to get to the top? Yeah. He 
sort of catches his foot on the top rope and it's a bit awkward and he has to so it takes him like that split second extra to get up again is that just a genuine like mistake or is it intentional and if it is that's another sign of how good tanahashi is well again i think not look the fact you asked the question yeah alone not not even the fact necessarily that whether it is or not the fact that you're asking the question like he's established that reputation Mm. you know he's making you think oh he's done that to get to this so even if he did it as a genuine mistake because he's built up such a uh, catalog he's covered you know what i mean he's got an insurance policy Mm. but so then the fact that he goes for the high fly flow when okada gets up his attitude changes as well as like he could have caught me there so i need to finish this off now yeah, Before the time for games It had been almost like a, a Shabbat-esque wanting to dismantle him piece by piece, but now he's like, you know what? Screw it. I need to win. Let's so get it and then get it's out. Then drop kicks and it's setting up ring- Rainmakers, but as always, Tanahashi has three or four ways of escaping a Rainmaker, and with that one, it's a sling blade. <laughs> and he's... um, he, he does have that move very well scouted, doesn't he, at this point? Um, he then blocks the tombstone... Uh, he hits his own yeah. as well. And then obviously he goes again. He hits his first high fly flow. Uh, and he goes to go, obviously put that exclamation mark as he loves to do the second one. Akada blocks with the knees. Uh, and then he's still, and then her, he, Tanahashi's then defending again. He's, he's dodging Rainmakers. Mm. So like Akada trans- blocks his dodge and turns it into a suplex, German suplex. Tanahashi's then got to hit his Dasperation Dragon suplex on the next time he goes to the Rainmaker. He, he's scrambling. He's defending. Yeah. As much as yeah. he's defending his record and his prestige, that's sort of like a like played out in what he's doing in the ring. It's a mad scramble to still have that record, yeah. to still sit at that pantheon, to be that guy. They're looking for that finishing blow. Tanahashi to just find a, a quick opening. Okada to put away the guy that he's been making sore and has dominated for most of the match. You did miss a bit of love of this as well when Okada hits a charging dropkick and then starts crawling towards the prone Tanahashi with a big smile on his face. You can tell that there's part of him that's enjoying, you know, that he is now the the one that controls these matches. Yeah that he is clearly the superior, but at the same time, he knows he has to finish him off. Otherwise, what was the point? I I guess maybe it's one of those things where he's got the comfortability that time and injury... Comfortability is not a word. I'm sticking with it. No, don't stick with it. Use real words. I'm sticking with it. No, use real words. (laughs) Anyway, he's got the comfortability. He's got the comfort. (laughs) He's got the um, assurance. The self-assurance. Some might say. The comfort of mind. Yes. Uh, He's got that um, in the fact that time and injury has obviously weakened Tanahashi. And even though he knows, he feels it in his heart, you can tell, that if they were both, if Tanahashi was at his prime and Okada was at where he's at now, he'd still beat him anyway. So it's an academic point. He's sort of enjoying the fact that time has not been kind well the injury room has not been kind really to Tanahashi more than anything else his his body is catching up to uh his wrestling style mm. 
You know, he's just got that about him, I think. Maybe I'm reading too much into it at this point. I'll be honest, half of that time you were talking to me, I was looking up whether comfortability can count as a word. <laughs> what I like about you is you focus on the key details. Mm. <laughs> Comfort existed before there was need for comfortability to be added. So anyway, um, so we get to the finishing sequence again. Okada finds that uh, Tanashi finds that opening, uh, reversing the Rainmaker into the Dragon Suplex, um, and then we get the pop-up bits as well. Did you know? What did you think? Of yeah, no selling. Dragon is, that, is that the first time we've seen that in a Tanahashi match? No, I think we might have seen it in one of their Wrestle Kingdoms. I think we have seen it once, very sparingly, compared to some of the All Japan stuff we were seeing towards the end. Jesus. Um, uh, no, Lorcan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Although we do both speak English, don't we, Simon? We've both got long hair and beards, so... <laughs> well, not the beard anymore. You can't see me from here. Yeah. See? Well, you know... It's like baby... Long hair, bearded wrestling fan? No! You'll tell me he's got a podcast next. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far to call it that. <laughs> More rad, mad ramblings. Ah, mm. uh, da da yeah, no, to get back to my point about the pop-ups, I'm not a big fan of pop-ups from, like, a dragon suplex. Because it's a move where you can just tell it yeah. hurts like shit. Yeah, so. if, if you can roll through it, then I'm okay with it, but... I don't know. It gets a pop, I guess. A pop-up. Um, but anyway, we get to the finishing sequences as well, uh, where, again... It's always about Okada looking for that Rainmaker and Tanahashi maybe more than anyone else knowing how to escape it and, and reverse it and dodge it and all those different ways. To the point that he hits his own Rainmaker at one point. Cheeky. You know, he's cutting it off with sling blades or his own Rainmaker, he's ducking it. Uh, sometimes he just flat out slaps him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell it's just getting like that the animosity's just boiled over at this point. I think that's one that as well as obviously seeing the opportunity, I think Tanahashi would have enjoyed mm. very much the idea of pinning uh, Okada after hitting a rainmaker on him. Mm. But in the end, uh Tanahashi thinks he's finally escaped it. He he gets rid of the wrist control and that's his opening, but instead of it being the traditional cut off and you'd think he'd hit him with a drop kick, instead he just holds on to his tights Grabs him, ripcord, rainmaker, and that's enough for the three count. The first full rainmaker as well of the match. Again, this isn't one with very many um, long two counts or anything like that. If anything, there's a the the two near falls of near falls, not really that I had down was that they both kick out at one at one point. Yeah. Tanahashi when Okada hits him with the German suplex, and then Okada when Tanahashi hits him, hits him with his own rainmaker. Yeah, because the only other place I could really think where there would have been one, uh, rather than get hit with a second high fly flow, he got his knees up. So, so yeah, like I said, this is a match that's one hundred percent psychology. Psychology, it's sound, but for the big moves, it's definitely not throwing out as much as they used to in the past. But that, I guess that makes sense because the idea is that Okada doesn't have to go through everything in his arsenal twice over in order to beat Tanahashi anymore. And Tanahashi can't get as much in on Okada because Okada's too good for him. Yeah. It's... Oof. So, again, I, I guess it's where you... And given how much of these matches I'm... And, and how much in future matches as well, I'm going to knock down, knock it down for having psychological flaws. I guess I'm going to err on the side of the psychology and the storytelling 
because obviously these guys are doing huge moves that we're not going to see in Luthez matches or something like that. But that doesn't. But you've got to kind of story is story. Story stays the same throughout the years, and the special effects and whatever can make a difference. But that's not what makes a movie or a play or a novel or any. Well, novels can't really have extra special effects, but you know what I mean. Um, that doesn't it, make them better. So I am going to go five stars with this one. Hmm. Okay. I. I'm not, but I do respect Ooh. why you have. Um, I don't respect why you haven't. <laughs> brilliant. Um, I, I, I take your point about the psychology. I do. I, I just feel... Uh, I know you shouldn't compare them, but when we have had direct ones, I just think I've seen them do Obviously, better. Meltzer going five and a half stars in this match is him saying basically this is the best of their matches, and I definitely don't think that's the case. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think that's the case. Obviously, um, yeah, but it, I, I do. I take your point. Is it's the psychology is good, but it just didn't fully drag me along. It's like when you read, uh, when you see something, and you can appreciate the technical beauty of what's been done, but it doesn't have that spark or that. I, I know I use this term a lot, but that extra bit of X factor that really takes you in and really sweeps you along. It's very well constructed. It's a very good story, but it yeah, just... Yeah, I think I'm just judging it on the story they're trying to tell, and they tell that story perfectly. I don't think you've yeah. done it any better, really. As far as a spectacle, you know, the um, the sizzle on the stake, maybe it doesn't sizzle as much as their previous matches has. But mm. if you're playing up Tanahashi's physical limitations at this point... You really shouldn't, anyway. And, yeah. and that's a discipline on, on Tanahashi's front that maybe other people, including Okada, have yet to show... Well, actually, that's not fair on Okada. But you know what I mean? They're, they're working within the confines of the match itself and the best story to tell. Yeah. Just like how when he was wrestling Minoru Suzuki, one of my favourite matches on this whole series, they don't go for the near falls because the near falls aren't necessary for that match. They don't. They don't use those... You could argue emotional shortcuts compared to... Obviously, the last match we gave five stars to, which is the Gargano Champa match, which is just a ridiculous number of two <laughs> counts. Yeah, and that obviously elicits a huge pop. But is that just like, is that fast food? Whereas what they're giving us is more nutritious. Um, is this the wrestling equivalent of a good vegetable stew? Maybe, but <laughs> I, it it might be one. I, I think I look for a little bit more of the seasoning. I guess, in my judgment, than you do. You're a superficial I, I... tart, Simon. Okay, well, that that's just, like, you know, taking the uh, slippery slope argument there, but... I, I don't hear a denial. <laughs> I've got a bit of tartishness in me, but I'm not a full-on <laughs> one. I'm not a Portuguese custard tart. <laughs> my goodness me. You're getting all, in that, all xenophobic now as well, are we? <laughs> How is that xenophobic? <laughs> seeming, to de- seeming to decry the Portuguese people. It's the it's the national dish. I was making a culinary joke. Well, I think if the people of Portugal want to get in touch with you, Simon, to say what they think about your pastry treats, how can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of times I've. Ah, oh, no, it doesn't quite work, damn it. There we go again. Uh, free for the number of times I have um, been to Portugal. 
My name's Lord Kamun, and that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A, as in help the aged, N as in knobbly knees competition. Wait. Obviously don't include the silent K. That's my email address if you put an at gmail.com at the end of it. Otherwise, you'll find Lorcan Mullen on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, and in various other places where Lorcan talks about himself in the third person. Um, if you want to get in touch with the show, it's lmtyspod. That's our Twitter handle. You put an at gmail.com at the end of that lmtyspod, and you've also got our email address. We have a Facebook page. We'll update that one day. Um, and I don't think we have anything left on, on that admin front other than to tell people what we'll be covering in our next episode. We're going one month on. This was the 4th of May. We're now on the 4th of June. Simon, what's the next match we'll be covering? Because it's going to be New Japan. Spoilers. Um, we, we've shrunken things down to size a little bit. Uh, we are fighting for a trophy this time. We're fighting for the best of the Super Juniors. Uh, and the participants are... Uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus Taiji Ishimori. It's the it's the junior representatives of Los Ingobernables de Apon and the Bullet Club. And you will see one of the most shredded men you will ever see in your life mm. when you watch this. I That's... guarantee it. Uh, as well as what Simon sees every time he comes across me on Skype. And Very poor choice of words. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But there's nothing left to, for me to say at this point other than my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five and a half star time. Until the next time. <laughs>